for me, it was one of our senior leaders at a place where I worked, one of the senior leaders, he pulled me into his office and he was like, Hey, you've been here. I had just started the company and I was maybe there four or five months. He's like, you've been here four or five months. He's like, I can tell you're going to be a stellar performer. Um, I was a manager at the time. He's like, you you're doing amazing. I can tell that you're going to do amazing work. You're so smart. All these things. He's like, but you don't present as a person. Yeah. People need to get to know you. You, you need to just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And it really took me, it took me aback because no one had ever told me to be myself at work. Like yeah. everyone had told me to be professional and here's what professional looks like. And it is not the way that you look. <laughs> and, you know, here is what professionals do, right? And they, they're, very, they're very serious and they sit up straight and they always, Perfect. you know, they're busy, busy, busy. They carry folders and they're always writing things down, right? This is like, I don't know, these are the ideas that had been shared with me about what it meant to be a professional. And he was like, no, 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 no. And he was, again, he was very senior. He's like, no, no, no. Just show up as yourself. He's like, keep doing what you're doing. Keep that bar high because you've set a high bar. But if you can do that and set the bar high and also be a person, you're going to move forward a lot faster. Today, we have Whitney Hawthorne joining us um, on Create Your Best Career podcast. And Whitney is a VP at a multi-billion dollar company, founder of the Savvy Working Mom, thought leader, keynote speaker, and a podcast host. As a mom of two little ones, she knows what it's like to be a both a passionate parent and top executive. Her mission is helping other working moms drop the guilt and find more joy so they too can thrive because when working moms do better, everyone benefits. And I'm so with you, so I love that. Welcome, Whitney. So great to have you here. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Perfect. So I was listening to some of your podcast episodes, and I have to say, it felt like having a mentor, you know, where someone who knows what challenges you're facing at work and is telling you and whispering in your ear practical ideas and advice you can implement and what will get you to your next level. And some of the, uh, I jotted down some of the topics you covered as um, in your Savvy Working Mom podcast, um, say what you mean and do what you say, how to have more time and less stress, work-life balance, and if it's even a thing we should be striving for, finding more fulfillment and joy at work, even if you don't like what you're doing day to day, and um, all the way to how to bring more of things that do fulfill you into your current job. So I'm so excited kind of about you being here and spending the time with us. And why don't you tell us a little more about your journey here and how did you end up doing what you're doing? Sure, I'd love to. And I really love what you said. It just kind of hit me in the heart that it sounds like someone in your ear, you know, who's been there and knows what it is, because that is really what the Savvy Working Mom is about. And it's why I started it. So after having my first son, um, I returned to work from maternity leave. And it was interesting because I returned from a fairly long maternity leave. I I took four months, which in the U.S. is significant. I had a very supportive boss. I worked in a supportive place and my husband was supportive. Still, it was really hard. Going back to work, figuring out how to navigate the world after becoming a mother Um, was, it was challenging for me. And, you know, I came from a place of, I want to work. I want to grow my career. I really want to see more women in leadership across corporations. And I want to be one of those leaders. And so the desire and the will 
to work and show up and to do better than I did before was there. But the things that worked for me before weren't working for me after. It's like, yeah, right. Like the time management, the, I don't know, the way that I like manage my sanity, like none of it was working the same way after I had my son. And so I started asking other moms, I was like, Hey, how are you doing this? Like, how are you making this work? And the responses range from, am I? To like, it's not working at all. Like, I don't even know why you think that. And so I was like, wow, like, okay, first of all, I'm really glad that I'm not the only one that's struggling with this. And I got comfort and almost power in the solidarity, knowing that there's not something wrong with me, that this is challenging because I never saw it. And my friends don't have kids. So I didn't have anyone to really talk to about it. And, you know, my mom and my grandma and my aunts, I do have a lot of wonderful, powerful, strong women around me, but they grew up at a very different time. Right. And they also weren't corporate oriented type roles they didn't have they all worked and all of my all of my parents all of my all the women in my life have worked right my mom was a teacher um my grandma was a she was actually the first female security guard for the steel mill in our town like wow. she was a councilwoman um i grew up in a funeral home and she worked in the funeral home so like all the women around me have always worked, but not in corporate, right? And in corporate, it's just, it is a bit of a different thing. And so I just started asking more and more people, like, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? How are you doing this? And what I found was that solidarity gave me strength and it also gave them strength. So just this exchange of like, hey, this is hard was like enough to bolster us all. And then we started talking more about like, hey, this is the tip trick or hack that's working for me. Oh, you have that problem. This is how I worked on that problem. Mm-hmm. And just exchanging these ideas was really helpful. And so I thought, wow, why aren't we talking about this more? I should be talking about this. We should all be talking about this as women who work and are also mothers a lot more so we can get better. And so um, I started a blog and the blog turned into a podcast and the podcast turned into digital courses. And now I do some public speaking, Um, but that's where it came from was this idea of, yeah, like whoever's been there before, uh, let's get in the ear of the people who are going through it so we can provide that advice and support um, so that women can thrive. Yeah, totally. I think what you're saying of be knowing that you're not alone, right? That you don't have to suffer in silence, right? And knowing that others are going through it, that is so powerful, right? And it's such a, I don't know, it helps us to move forward and kind of reassures us that, that we are okay, right? There's not something wrong with us. So you're, you're doing all these things and thank you for walking through kind of some of the timeline and a super relatable story. So my immediate question is, how are you doing it all right so, now? Okay. The first thing I would say is I'm not doing it all. I don't, I don't do it all. I do the things that matter most to me and the things I have to do. And, and that is not everything, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of it comes down to focusing on outcomes, focusing okay. on um, what I'm delivering versus what I'm doing with my time. Right. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but if you think about it, if I sit down and say, okay, I have an hour to work on getting through emails or I have an hour to work on um, finishing this presentation, Mm -hmm. I will most likely take the full hour to do it. If I take a step back and say, okay, here today, I need to get through, you know, the 500 emails that are in my inbox and I need to get this presentation done. And those are the most important things for me to do that are going to, you know, free me up to have more time tomorrow. Then I just get them done as fast as I can. Um, rather than trying to box it in so much. But if I take one step back, right? Because how do you get to that point knowing what's the most important? I think the way that I get it, get it all done or the way maybe why it seems like I'm doing it all is because I have really 
deep clarity on what is important to me. I have deep clarity on where I should be spending my time on what I want out of life. And that clarity allows me to then prioritize so that I can focus on making sure that those things get done. And sometimes I'm the one that gets them done, right? And sometimes it's somebody else. Sure. Um, so I, I, have a, I, I have a strong belief that in order for, for us to thrive and for us to do it all, especially as women who work and have children, we mm-hmm. must be able to delegate. Not we must be able to delegate, call it delegation, call it outsourcing, whatever you want to call it. We must be able to ensure that others can help us to do the things that aren't meant for us to do. Yeah, no, that's uh, one of the superpowers. And I know you have a couple of episodes, actually, that um, people should listen to on delegating and a little more deeper dive on how to and step by step. But so let's say there's a scenario, right? You've been with a company since you know the corporate world really well, and you're a senior individual contributor, right? Like you're um, really good at what you do and you want to get to the next level and, and that next level seemingly gets added or would come with extra activities, right? In addition to delivering what you're doing now, okay, you might be, you know, your boss might say, okay, but I want you to do X, Y, Z, right? In addition, and that will, you know, for you to get to that next step. So how, and it kind of relates to what you're saying, even whether you're going through having a child, right? And now you have less time, right? Before you might have gone, you know, to work at 7 a.m. and finished at 7 p.m. But this is like the complete flip now, right? You can't do that physically anymore. So how do you, get that clarity, right? So to break down your day, like what you were talking about. So for me, there's four magic questions that always lead to more clarity. And you take a step back and you have to take some time to think about them and and answer them honestly, right? Because I think there is a, there's a tendency to answer these questions with what you believe others think the answer should be, like what you think others want from you and not what you really want for yourself or what your, you know, your gut, your soul is really telling you. So you have to answer, you have to like be courageous. You have to have that courage to get the clarity and then ask these four questions and answer them. And it's, what do I want more of? What do I want less of? What is going well? And what isn't going well? Okay. And you can ask those about any project that you're working on about, um, you know, if your boss comes to you and says, hey, okay, you wanna step up, but you need to do these three or four or five things, look across your entire workday and answer those questions. And ideally those things your boss wants you to do are things that are pushing you in the direction of things you want more of, right? Mm-hmm. But if they're not, then you do have to pause and question, okay, is this really the right, is this really the right thing for me to be working on? Right. Once you have that clarity, there's a process that I like to follow um, called EDAB and you need to go through and do this. Because when you have the clarity, you know what's most important to you. And if something new that your boss put on your plate is now most important or in the top three or five, right? Mm-hmm. That means that other things by definition become less important because okay. you can't you can't do, there's only bandwidth to do so many things. So if there's bandwidth to do 10 things and somebody adds in two, two are going to suffer. And if you try and do 12, all 10, all 12 really suffer, right? Because you can't give in the same way. So um, the EDAB formula, is you go through and you look at what's going on and say, can I eliminate this? Is there something that I can stop now with this new clarity that I maybe couldn't stop before? So okay. for, for example, I've done this and gone through and said, hey, you know what? 
Because you always think there's, you always think it's not true, right? It's like, I'm so busy and everything I'm doing, I have to be doing. Yeah, right. But if you pause for a moment, right? So I've gone through and I found, for example, like there's a report that I was creating and sending out and a small handful of people were reading it and they weren't even really reading it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that report was taking me probably 90 minutes a day. Um, and so I stopped doing it. Not, not 90 minutes a day, 90 minutes a week, but I stopped doing it. 90 minutes a week is a lot of time. So I was like, done yeah. with that, right? Um, at home, the same thing. There are things that I've eliminated at home. I used to insist on hot breakfast. Um, and now I'm like a waffle in the toaster is hot. You know, so, yeah. it's like, we don't have to make eggs every single morning. Eggs are going to be special for the weekend. Right. Yeah. So you can eliminate, you can, you can eliminate, you just have to go, go through and think about what happens, um, when you eliminate this thing and what doesn't happen. Um, and if, and you can also ask people, honestly, like with that report, I was a little bit nervous because I was just so used to sending it out. And I knew that one person, I know one person really valued it, but the rest of the people, not so much. So I asked that one person, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about stopping this report. And we had a chat and it turned out that the information they valued in the report of like maybe the 25 points in there, there were two that mattered to them. And I could put them on an email chain where those two points were covered in something else, you know? So we were able to, I was able to serve them without, I was able to stop, eliminate the thing without, you know, um, I guess making it bad for someone. Right. So go through and you eliminate and whatever you can't eliminate, then you look to delegate, right? And you can delegate pieces of the process or the whole process. So for example, if you make a lot of PowerPoint presentations, you might be able to find someone to help you clean up those PowerPoints, right? Because mm-hmm. that whole part of doing the detail and making sure everything is aligned can take forever. Yeah. And maybe you don't need to be the one doing that, right? You put the content in, you get the outline, you get the general gist and layout of what you want, and you can hand it off to someone else to help. Um, The other thing after you look to delegate is to say, okay, if I can't eliminate it or delegate it, can I adjust it? Is this something that I can maybe do in a different way, remove some steps and make it happen a little bit more quickly, right? So are there things where maybe you can write a script to get it done? Mm -hmm. or at home, you know, one of my favorite, and I used to like roll my eyes about this, but it actually works is those laundry baskets that have the inserts. Yeah. Use them. Right. So rather than that, and then you can put your lights in one, your darks in another and your dry cleaning in the third or your lights, your darks and the things that don't go into the dryer in a third. Right. But that way you're eliminating that step of having to um, separate before you put the laundry in. Yeah. And it helps every little bit helps. Right. So looking at where you can adjust what you're doing to cut out some steps is helpful. Mm-hmm. And then the last part of the EDAB formula, so we did eliminate, we did delegate, we did adjust, is to batch. Okay. And batching means doing similar tasks at the same time. Okay. And the reason why this is important is because there is startup time to doing whatever task you're doing. And then there's wind down time to stopping whatever task you're stopping. So you're going to be more efficient if you can do similar tasks all at once. So like with email, rather than doing email all throughout the day. Yeah. Take 30 or 15 minute segments to get your email done. Right. I've done this. I have documented email time. I block on my calendar. Um, ideally it's in straight hour, but sometimes that can't happen. And so I'll, I'll break it up into 30 or 15 minute segments before or after meetings. And that's the time when I focus it on getting emails out. Do I get through all my emails then? No but do I get through a lot more? And is the response that I give on those emails probably a little bit better than if I'm in the middle of a meeting trying to respond to something? Yes. Um, The other thing that I'd like to batch is, you know, medical appointments, paying bills, things like this. Like we have a lot of medical appointments in my family. So 
It's like, get the calendar up, get the insurance cards out and get them all done at once rather than kind of doing them sporadically. Um, the same with the paying bills, right? Like get everything out. However, I don't know how you do your budget. Everybody does their budget a little bit differently, but if you're tracking what you're spending, like just do it all at once rather than trying to do it throughout the day or throughout the week or throughout the month. Okay. So batching really helps to reduce time. And once you've been able to do that, to EDAB and create some time and space and clarity, you should have more space to do these things that you're, um, you know, that you're, that's being asked of you. But I think the thing, the most important thing to remember with that is when new responsibilities come your way, it means other responsibilities are no longer as important. Mm-hmm. It means that you're leveling up and you're growing. And the change that you need to make is not going to be comfortable because change just usually isn't comfortable but it will be worth it. Um, and it, and it's something that, you know, you're just, you're going to have to take a little bit of a risk. Um, mm-hmm. you're going to have to push and see what happens, right. And see what happens because a lot of times the worst, what we think is the worst that can happen never, never does. Right. Right. And, and is there, if you can't do this on your own, or if it's seemingly like, if you have clients, right, and your workload still stays the same, but kind of you've been laid out, these are these couple of things, you know, kind of that will get you to the next level. Like, how do you go to your boss and say, but hey, realistically, then something's got to give or something's got to change? Or do you kind of, uh, like you said, batching and kind of using these approaches, see how you can squeeze in more and more in less time? Yeah. So I think you definitely go through that process first. And I don't think you ever go to your boss and say, Hey, stop doing things. Right. Cause no, no, no one's boss wants to hear that. But right. what I think you can do is go and say, I've been thinking a lot about what you, what you presented to me. I'm really excited to start working on these. I've reprioritized what's going on and here's what it looks like. Okay. And then you present your plan, right? I'll be focused on doing X, Y, and Z now. And mm-hmm. that means that a, B, and C are going to need to happen later in the year, um, or maybe not at all, right? Mm-hmm. But here's what we're going to actually be able to deliver. And I do think there's also that reasoning, right? You have to have the judgment of knowing there are seasons, and mm-hmm. there may be a time where for two or three months, you are going above and beyond, right? Yeah. The idea that if, let's just say you work a 40-hour week, I don't know that many of us work just 40 hours for full-time. Right. But let's say you work a 40 hour week. So you're working your 40 hour week. Your boss comes to you. There may be a time where you need to work 42 or 45 hours to get it done. But you always have to have a plan to bring it back, right? To bring it back to whatever it is that you want for your study state if it's 40 hours. Um, But no, and I think it's okay, right? Because this is, we talk a little bit, or you mentioned this idea of work-life balance. Um, I don't think work-life balance is a thing. I think it's a myth. I think work-life balance, that idea sets us up for failure. It's stressful Um, because then you're aiming for something that's supposed to be balanced. Yeah. And it's like, what, what are you balancing? First of all, what are you balancing? It's not your time. It's not your energy. Like also, I think the biggest thing that, and I used to think that was what really kind of like got the bee in my bonnet or made me frustrated when people talked about work-life balance was like, what are you trying to balance? But now I realize it's actually that work-life balance assumes we have work and we have life. Right. But, but life is so very many things. It's not like life is one thing. So to say you need to balance one thing against, you know, 20 or 50 is really kind of how that sounds. And it's not real. And you're living while you're working, right? It's not like, yeah, work is a part of your life, right? Right. 
ideally. And, yeah. And in life you have like, so I've, I've narrowed down to nine key areas of focus for women who work and have children. Okay. Um, and it includes, it includes your job. Yeah. Your career is one part of your life, right? It's not your whole life. Your career is one part of your life. So are your finances, which is, you know, how financially stable you feel, right. which right. is linked to your career, but it's not the same. Um, you have the relationship with your children, you have the relationship with your partner, um, or, you know, if you're single, ready to mingle or single, being happy, like but the relationship with yourself, you have the community around you, right? So the relationship that you have with adults outside of your, outside of your family, you've got your, your health. health. Yeah. Yeah. Mental and physical health. Mm -hmm. You have a need for personal development. You have a need for fun and adventure. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you have the environment that you live in, right? Your home, your office, your car, if you commute a lot, like where you spend your space, these are all parts of your life that you need to focus on. And so to say work and then all other eight things you need to balance, like that one against the eight doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't balance. Yes, it doesn't balance and it sets us up for failure. So when I think about this idea of work-life harmony, mm -hmm. it's trying to find, you know, like a, like, like a symphony, like a beautiful piece okay. of music our life can be, right? And so you just, you want it to flow, but every once in a while, some section is gonna need a solo. Okay. And the idea is that the solo doesn't take up the entire song, right? Okay. So if, the, if, if work at some point needs the solo, right? The, the music comes up and you're doing that and then it's gonna come back down ideally and join the rest of the symphony into the chorus. You know, it's, it's not, wrong or bad to give extra time to work for a certain period of time yeah I love that analogy with me that is so beautiful you know it made my shoulders drop like oh, oh good I can exhale yes but how do we connect with that when things are going on and you feel more like a circus mas master juggling right in kind of the real world real life scenario and you feel frazzled like how have you connected the dots and changed your actual experience? Like, what would you recommend? So I always go back to clarity, getting clarity on what's the most important to you mm -hmm. and then having the courage to act on that clarity. And mm -hmm. it is a courageous thing, right? Because there's something I like to say, which is, um, you know, don't should on yourself. We that. tend to do this, right? Where it's like, oh, I should be doing this. Yeah. I should serve hot breakfast every morning. I should be working late. I should be, you know, cleaning the house. I should look like this. I should, 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 should. And that comes from a place of everybody else wants for you and not a place of what you want for yourself. Because when you want it for yourself, it's either an I must or an I am. And okay. so if you can stop shoulding on yourself, you can get that courage to act on the clarity. And it probably means doing things differently than you've done before and probably means doing things differently than what those around you have come to learn from you, right? So you kind of have to teach people a new way to interact with you. And that can be really, really uncomfortable, right? Because the reason why we do should on ourselves is because it's like, well, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to have to I don't want to be unaccepted. I don't want people to think there's something wrong with me. I don't want to do something that's going to not allow me to grow and, you know, have be ostracized essentially. And it's like, well, actually you will grow by doing the things that are most important to you. Um, and maybe some people will ostracize you, you know, maybe some people will say, Hey, I don't know. That's not for me. You're not for me anymore when you do things like that. 
but that's okay because you have to live for you anyway. You have to live for you and your family first and not for those forces that are around you. And you said, I must, and I do? Were the yes. Two- okay. Or I will, I will, yes. So, right, it's like, if you, let's just take weight loss, right? Because like, we all have this thing with weight loss in America, it's just a thing. And so it's like, you are like, oh, I should, I really should lose 10 pounds. I really should lose 20 pounds, whatever. And yeah, and it's like, okay, why? Why should you do this? Okay. And if you really dig in and get to something that's important, then it changes from I should to I will lose 10 pounds. I am doing it or I am actually doing it, right? I'm in the process of making it happen. And you feel good about that. Um, and so the example I give is, you know, two separate women, let's just call one Jan and one Fran, right? Jan comes to me and I actually used to, I used to own a gym. And so kind of real life examples. So Jan comes to me and Jan is like, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, cool, Jan. Why do you want to lose the 10 pounds? Uh, Well, you know, I just, I don't feel great about how I am right now. Okay, well, why don't you feel great? Well, I feel like my, you know, my husband isn't as excited with how I look and like, you know, my best friend just lost a lot of weight and I just don't feel great. Okay, why do those, why not? Why do those things kind of bother you? Well, I mean, my best friend just lost a lot of weight and I feel like I should lose weight because she lost weight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband, I guess really, I mean, we're still, you know, having fun together. So maybe it's not such a big thing, but my best friend lost weight. So I want to, mm-hmm. so you feel like you should. Okay. We start the exercise program two weeks in she's over it. Right. Yeah, that sounds because like I'll go for the ice cream jar in the. Yeah, in- exactly. It's like, yeah, you're just like, you're just over it because it's like, well, I don't, she didn't really want to lose the weight. She just felt like she should because her best friend in society was kind of showing her like, this is the path forward. But even her husband was like totally fine with where she was at, you know? I love that. Then then there's the other woman, I think Fran. So Fran, I think that's the name I use. So let's go with Fran. Fran, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, cool. Why do you want to lose 10 pounds? Well, I don't feel really great with where I'm at. Okay, why don't you feel great with where, where I'm at? Well, I just, I don't feel super healthy. Okay, what does that mean? You don't feel super healthy. Why is that a problem? Well, like I'm on all these meds and it's really hard to keep up with my kids. Okay, well, what happens like when you lose the weight? Why do you want to get off the meds? Why do you want to keep up with your kids? Well, I'm really worried that I'm not going to not only be able to keep up with my kids, but that I'm not going to be able to like live long enough to see them grow into adults. Okay, what? that sounds good. Let's get you healthy. Let's start the exercise program, right? And so we start the exercise program. Two weeks in, she's going strong. Why? Because she had a very, very deep reason. And when I went back and asked her like, hey, how's it going? I see you're still kicking along with this. Like, how are you feeling? What's your level of motivation? Things like that. It's like, well, you know, it it was never, I should do this. It was, I'm doing this, right? I need to do this. I must do this. I want to do this so that I can, you know, be there for the future of my kids, Mm -hmm. which is that was her why and why's don't like that's a deep why that's like real deep i love that and And that's what moves right yeah and and the thing is they don't always have to be that deep right it doesn't have to be so deep as like about life and death really Mm -hmm. about seeing your children in the future but it has to be something that's really meaningful when when it's meaningful you're moved to not meaningful to you and when you're moved you don't you no longer feel like you should do it you feel like you don't have a choice right you feel pulled and called and it becomes a must you're mm-hmm. in the process of doing it. This is like, I must do this. I am doing this. I will do this, right? I have the will and I, and I will do it versus like, I should. Should really indicates you're doing it begrudgingly. You're doing it not because you want to, but because 
there's something out there telling you that's the right path forward, but deep inside, you don't think it is, or you wouldn't say it like I should, I should do this. I love that. I love kind of the way you framed it and the asking even, well, why, why, right? Why should you? Using the should that we don't want to be putting on ourselves, right? Using it kind of productively, right? Why? (laughs) And then you uncovered kind of the deeper level levels of the why because the superficial example, right, is not really propel you towards impact or impactful change. So I'm just thinking through a scenario, like let's say, how can we apply this or would you recommend applying a bit of a different kind of scenario or um, framework to like, let's say you're in your current job, right? You're good at what you do, but there's something, this feeling that we experience at certain points in our life where something is missing. Like you're feeling like you're, you're not just, showing up like your soul is like you can't really bring your soul to work or there's something missing but you're not quite sure is it the job do you need to go for a promotion and I think it ties into kind of you're being having clarity on your objectives or what to do more when you're really kind of stuck and not sure do you need to look for a new job new boss new industry or what the heck yeah, no, that's real. And I think it happens to a lot of us. That happened to me once, like just so pronounced. I had been working on a really big project and I del- delivered on the project. It was, you know, a project that took over a year, delivered on it. It was massive, very big um, difference maker for the company. And afterwards, right, I was in the role that delivered on it was also meant to maintain it. But in maintaining it, I was just like, this is, I was bored. I was, I no longer felt fulfilled. I was showing up to work. Like, this is my baby I had delivered, right, for work, work style. And then, but it was like watching it grow. I was just kind of like, and eh, now I feel like I'm pushing a button and I didn't feel so fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's two things. One, if you're in a place where, well, and let's be sure, I also shared like, hey, I shared around my office, like, I'm, I want more, right? I want to grow. I have ambition. I delivered on this big project. I want another big project. You know, pushing the button isn't really for me. Um, I believe I have more value to add to the company, but no one could really give me a path forward. And so I knew I had to leave, right? I knew that I had to leave the company. So there was a time though, when that, when I was doing that, like between like when I decided I had to leave and when I actually, you know, had a good exit plan, I still needed to show up to work. So in that instance, I didn't, I didn't see a way to be fulfilled by the work even because I asked for new work and I couldn't get it. And so I had to find different ways to actually be, be fulfilled at work, right? Not by the work I'm doing, but at work when I show up, are there other ways? And for me, it came down to three things, right? I really like coaching and mentoring women. And so I looked around my office and we're like, Hey, is there anyone here that I can maybe be coaching or mentoring on a daily or weekly basis? And there were, so there were other women in my office who I could help and support. And I did that. And that, brought me a sense of fulfillment. It's like, oh, I got that 30 minute talk with Jan later on. I can't wait to get to work because I'm going to be excited to talk to her. Um, The other thing is, you know, I do like big picture and strategic thinking. And so I started looking around who else was working on big projects and offered to be a sounding board for them. Like, hey, I know you've got this big project going on. Do you want a sounding board? Do you want to talk through anything? I'm here. Right. And so even though it's not my work, it entertains my brain in a way that is helpful. um, The way that that fills me and energizes me. Yes. Um, and the other thing is I, um, I'm a silly person. Like I like dad jokes. I just like, I like to be silly. And so at work, I wasn't bringing that part of myself to work at the time because, you know, like I'm a black woman in corporate and I have always just been taught that like, you have to show up and do twice as hard. And when I say taught, like, it's not just people have told me that that's what experience has shown me. Like as women in general, we have to show up and do more 
a lot of times it feels like just to be recognized the same. And so I didn't think there was room for silly Whitney and corporate, but I was leaving this place anyway. So I was like, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to do my things yeah. and tell all my silly jokes. And, um, and that made life more fun, right? It made work more fun. So I did those things and I found some level of fulfillment and bringing the things that fulfill me outside of work into the work day, even <laughs> though my actual work wasn't fulfilling. And then yes, ultimately I left that place and I still do those things now today. And it helps me find fulfillment in my job to look outside of what is um, outside of the actual work itself and say, what are other ways that I can get fulfillment while I'm here at work? Because it's, um, it's important to feel fulfilled, right? And it's important to enjoy your day. We spend so much time at work. We really have to get the most out of it, not just from a career perspective, but again, like we talked about, work is a part of your life. Yeah. The yeah. other thing that I just would share is you have to have clarity though, like on the work itself, right? Because in the work, it's boring or the work is no longer fulfilling. You have to have clarity on what is going to fulfill you. No one else can really tell you that. That, right? that is so good. Yeah. Keep, keep going. I just would think okay. it's so good. Yeah. So I think one way that I found a very helpful exercise that I found to get clarity on what should be next or how you can get more, right. um, joy out of your work is to get out your resume and go from the, you know, the, your first job up until today and go through and say, okay, that first job, why did I take this job? What did I like about it? And why did I leave? And then look at the next job and say, okay, why did I take this job? What did I like about it? And why did I leave? And just go through each role um, with that, with those questions. And it will help you to get clarity on um, how you've evolved and what things are interesting to you. And it might spark something like, oh yeah, three jobs ago, I was working comms plans. And I really like that comms plan. I wanna bring that back in. Or two jobs ago, I stayed way too long because I really like the people that I worked with. Yeah. And I really wanna work in a role where I do enjoy the people more than I enjoy them now, right? Or it'll help you to get clarity on what it is that you want. And once you know what will help you to feel less stuck, right? What will help you to feel less fulfilled, then you have to start looking for it. The first place to start is where you are, right? It's like, hey, I really want to work on more communication things. Is there a special project, a side project that I can work on? Is there a group that I can support in this way? And see if you can work it into your current role. Okay. And if not, then, then be brave enough to start looking outside of your current role for those things that are going to fulfill you, right? Because you only get one life. Like we only get one life yeah. and it's up to us to make the most of it. Yeah. No, I love that. And you're mentioning so many gems, you know, and what stuck to me, you know, one from including bringing, kind of bringing yourself to work and being kind of relaxing, right? Being a real person and bringing that because like somehow up until certain, I felt that way too, I think in my twenties, I, I think it, there was a point where maybe I heard it from a coach or from a podcast or somewhere where it's like, like relax, stop being, I don't know, more or less like a robot or something. And that, that's where actually people will relate to you. You know, people will actually connect with you versus this like stoic or perfectionism idea, you know, that I had up until a certain point in my career as well. Yeah, it's so interesting. So for me, it was one of our senior leaders at a place where I worked, one of the senior leaders, he pulled me into his office and he was like, hey, you've been here. I had just started the company and I was maybe there four or five months. He's like, you've been here four or five months. He's like, I can tell you're going to be a stellar performer. Um, I was a manager at the time. He's like, you're, you're doing amazing. I can tell that you're going to do amazing work. You're so smart. All these things. He's like, but you don't present as a person. Yeah. People need to get to know you. 
you, you need to just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And it really took me, it took me aback because no one had ever told me to be myself at work. Like yeah. everyone had told me to be professional and here's what professional looks like. And it is not the way that you look. <laughs> and, you know, here is what professionals do, right? And they, they're very, they're very serious and they sit up straight and they always, right. you know, they're busy, busy, busy. They carry folders and they're always writing things down, right? This is like, I don't know, these are the ideas that had been shared with me about what it meant to be a professional. And he was like, no, 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 no. And he was, again, he was very senior. He's like, no, no, no. Just show up as yourself. He's like, keep doing what you're doing. Keep that bar high because you've set a high bar. But if you can do that and set the bar bar high and also be a person, you're going to move forward a lot faster. And you know what? He was right. Like the instant I did that, my career just really took off. Yeah. It's so simple, but so profound. I think this is what we should be telling our kids, right? This is what should be taught in schools because I don't know where we get that idea that we need to be perfect robots even. Yeah, I don't, I feel like TV. I just feel like there's so much stuff on TV. It's like, you know, this idea that it's that it's easy to work in mom. I feel like that you watch movies and TV and they make it look like it's easy to work in mom. You get this idea that professionals are like, so, you know, stoic and, Everything goes perfectly. Yeah. And everything goes perfectly. And it like, it all comes from TV. It's like, even with breastfeeding, I don't know if you breastfed your children, but like I breastfed both my kids and with my first son, I was shocked at how hard it was. Like it was so hard. Yeah. And I was like, this is not like the movies where they just like hold the baby and he latches and they're like, oh, and then the sun comes through the window. And it's, it was not like that for me at all. And I was like, but this is the idea I got from TV because I didn't know where else to get it. So I think you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in our culture that unless you experience it firsthand, you don't know about. And if you don't have a way to experience it firsthand, then, right. um, then you just go with what you've seen. Cause you think that's what works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is why I think conversations and like the podcast you're doing, this is why it's so valuable because then you don't have to experience it firsthand. You can actually reach for something and know that you're enough and what you're going through is okay and normal and even more more than normal by hearing, you know, examples from women like yourself. So Whitney, tell people, how can we find more of you? Yes, you can find me anywhere you Google The, the Savvy Working Mom. So uh, my podcast is The Savvy Working Mom. On Instagram, I'm at The Savvy Working Mom. And my website is The Savvy Working Mom. You can find me on any of those channels. Feel free to reach out to me over DM or email me. Um, I love talking to other moms. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Definitely go check out her podcast, Savvy Working Mom. It's amazing. Again, you will not want to stop once you listen to a couple of her episodes. And thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Isn't she a great mentor? So here are my top takeaways. Number one, the idea of work-life balance is a myth. Life is so many things and work is just one part of your life. Number two, do not should on yourself. Stop the I should do this or that and ask, what do you actually want for yourself? Number three, if you're no longer feeling fulfilled at your job, can you find different ways to add activities that energize you to your work day? Number four, bring your personality to work. I love this one. This one is actually so overlooked and so powerful. If you like to joke around or be silly or whatever are different aspects of your personality, be you and make life and work more fun. Show it. Number five, 
If work is getting boring, you really have to get clarity on how you can get more joy out of your workday. So do a bit of an inventory of what you liked in your past jobs and why you left. I really encourage you to check out Whitney's podcast, The Savvy Working Mom, and also her Instagram account for more tips on how you can get out um, more joy really out of your everyday and maybe how you can address some of the challenges or things that you're running into. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the interview. I know you are busy. If you like the conversation, subscribe to Create Your Best Career podcast and also share it with one person who you know isn't completely fulfilled in their current job and career and could add more magic to their Mondays. I'm sending you lots of love.